I was just upset because I thought running is who George was. But then working the program that I work, I'm learning that it's about what you do to help others succeed in life is what makes who George is. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 14. Our guest today is George Herrera, who got his start at the Hyatt Hotel and moved all the way up to executive chef. George has got to meet some amazing people and serve them some great food, like Barack Obama, Gene Simmons, Mick Jagger, Elton John, Sean Penn, Colin Powell, Jack Nicholson, and George Bush Jr., just to name a few. But as glamorous as this sounds, everyone has their own story. And does George have a story? George not only is an avid runner, but he also battled addiction. Today, George tells us his story of getting into running, how it started when he worked at the Hyatt, and how it all came crashing down multiple times, losing everything. But George is here today, feeling stronger than ever, and I'm super excited to share his story with you. This episode is brought to you by Mimosa Breakfast and Brunch. The wait is finally over. Location number two has opened in Brookfield. Located on Blue Mount, just east of the corners, Mimosa Brookfield offers the same classics as Mimosa One, but is pushing the envelope on freshness. And from scratch food, they have new menu items. I've had them. They are delicious. You need to go check them out. These guys support the show. So I appreciate it if you guys would go support them. So go check out their new location in Brookfield or their original location in Franklin. Either way, you're not going to be disappointed. And after a long run on a Saturday, nothing's better than the classic shrimp omelet, the jambalaya skillet, or maybe you're feeling adventurous and try the blueberry omelet or just stick with their new chocolate almberry pancakes. Now, without further ado, on to the show. feels good to be back in the studio for our first episode of 2020. And today I have the honor of sitting across from George Herrera. George. Hey. Hey, how are you doing today? <laughs> Great. Uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for the invite. So um, we were just ch- chatting a little bit. You, uh, you got some big training going on right now in your life, huh? I do. It's for a gravel ride in Oklahoma. Well, a gravel ride in Oklahoma doesn't sound like a run, but we'll uh, we'll get to that in a little while. So, um, most runners, we start off the show talking about you know when they started running and kind of how they got into it. But for you, which is similar to me, wasn't until about 2013. Correct. <laughs> so yeah, we were just talking about this. It's a it's an interesting story, and it all starts with you and your work and being in a. Augusta, Georgia. It was for the Masters. Right? So Okay, so uh, who were you working for at the time that put you at the Masters? Uh, it was Hyatt Hotels, and Noble Noble was the ownership group. So. so you basically got assigned to go work at Augusta? Yes, for a week. Okay, so, all right, let's get into the story. So you, you went to Augusta? It went there. I was 3 a.m., got wake, woke up, went outside. Had a cup of coffee and I was looking over the, looking over the, 
the farmland where we we were at, at the at the condo we were at, and I said, you know what, I'm gonna start running when I get home because it was right after I had meniscus surgery a couple four weeks prior. So you're recovering. You're in Augusta. Yes. The morning dew with a cup of coffee kind of just triggered you. It triggered me. Was there? I mean, do you have any sense of running before this? No, you not didn't at run all. In middle school track or high school track or wrestling, but I hated running when I had a wrestling practice. Oh, I hated running in football practice. We always had to run the mile, and I hated it. So you had no running background either, huh? No. That's that's so interesting. Why would I want to run? <laughs> yeah. Well, you tell me that, that it must be if you. If you're new to running or want to run, uh, so PSA, you should go to the Masters and go <laughs> experience a 3 a.m. sunrise, I would suppose, huh? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> That's super funny. Okay, so you come back to Milwaukee. Come back to Milwaukee. What did you do? I you started. I just started running. I went to pro and picked out a pair of shoes, and uh, or they picked out a pair of shoes for me. And I just started running and I think I was, I did a couple five K's and said, I signed up for Lakefront and did Lakefront that year. So 2013 was your first marathon. You yeah. did Lakefront. Yeah. Four hours, a little over four hours. So, so it was like i I'm going to finish a marathon type yep. goal. And I finished it and I hated it. <laughs> so did you train like pretty heavy like did you have like a 12 16 week plan and get into it or did you just kinda, i think i like, did trotting around and I, I was following a program i don't know what i was i don't remember what i was following okay but i remember running my longest training run was 18 miles and i was crying crossing 76th street because i was running in uh, whitnell park crossing 76th street running back home just crying hating it text i called my wife i said can you start me in um, a bath? I need a, I need to take a bath. I need to cool my body down. And I hated it. I don't know why I did it. <laughs> so that was your longest training run was 18 miles before the marathon. Yes. And then um, after I finished that, after I finished the race, okay, yeah. A week later, I had to go back out to pro again, and they, the girls that were working at pro, mm -hmm. said you should try out, you should try it and run um, Ice Age. Sign up for the Ice Age 50K. I said, what do I want to do that for? That, what, I said, well, you know what? I'm going to try it. So I sat on the computer and signed up during on registration day and got in. So for a guy who doesn't like running, waiting for registration day for the Ice Age is a pretty aggressive move. Yeah, especially for your second run. Second, <laughs> second race to sign up for. Not only your second race, but like way longer than your marathon. And harder, you could say, too. Just a, a little trail. bit, yeah. Okay, so at this point, I mean, then you roll right into Ice Age, huh? I, I ran a marathon with, a half marathon in Phoenix with my buddy. Okay. And um, ran that. It was my first half marathon. That That's January. Okay. So. A little, and, so not much training going into that either, huh? No. So how'd you feel going into it? I mean, um, Confident. you know, feeling good though, but yeah. hated it? Yeah, or or was it or the, did the hate start fading away and you started like it? Started liking it started fading a little bit, mm -hmm. but I I was just running all the time. Just yeah, it started kind of liking it, but um, we got to Phoenix, started liking it, then came back home after the race, and then um, really started training harder for Ice Age. And 
did you do most of your training for ice age like out on the trails out on the trails and whenever i could i would run run the streets if i couldn't get out there on the weekends yeah do you think the trails had a different impact on you than the roads huge it, it felt i didn't hurt as much okay road, road i hurt yeah it's a different impact yeah and, and you're, i'm running faster yeah the, trails a little bit softer and slower paced you can walk you don't feel so bad. You can walk up the hills and not yeah. feel guilty about yeah. it. I see. I'm seeing a pattern here already that you have. If you go somewhere, you re- have a realization and come back. So Augusta gets you into running, mm-hmm. and Phoenix got you to kind of like running, right? And then you hit. So you, you go to the Ice Age. How was how was racing Ice Age then? Yeah, you know, it was great. I don't like doing the blue. I don't like doing the loops. Yeah, <laughs> out there. But you know what? It, I enjoyed it. I fell in love with running. That After was that, it. that was it. That was cool. Did you have like a, like a good time or was it more of an experience that you had? It was that more really of an experience. Experience. Um, the, it's like a tribe. Okay. Trails are, ultra runners are like tribe. You, oh, you yes. meet tons of new people and everyone's so friendly. It's so supportive. I mean, running in, in general is very supportive, right? Um, right. But the trails seem to just be a different level. It's a different community, especially a, when you get to re- the distance, longer distances. Everyone's friendly. The food's great. The food's great, yeah. <laughs> the aid stations at ultras are a little different than at uh, marathons. Oh, yes, they are. Especially if you do 100, and the breakfast morning the next day is even better. <laughs> oh. So um, when you were doing Ice Age, what I haven't done Ice Age, what are the aid stations like there for food? Uh, if I remember correctly... Um, Skittles, gummies, potato chips, boiled potatoes, salt. Did you anticipate? Oranges. Did you know that was coming? No, I had no race? clue. Okay, so you go from running like a couple races, right? You did Lakefront, some halves. It's Gatorade, water, and right. bring your own chews. So how was it going to your first aid station and seeing this? It was amazing. It was like heaven. Did you know what to do? Was no, like, I didn't because I was, I didn't. Was it one of everything? I think I picked up M&Ms and drank a soda. That sounds great. It was. So like are the only great. time you feel like you can have that kind of stuff. It is. And like having a positive impact on you, at least, giving you what you need. <laughs> and it was hot that year, if I remember. Okay, so you really fell in love with running. Right. So what kind of what, what came next for you? How did, did you stay on the trails then? I stayed on the trails. I, then I did uh, North Face 50. Okay. I decided I could do a 50. Nice. That was the same year then? That was the same year. So you are rolling right now. I am rolling. So within one year at this point, you've decided to start running and now are attempting your first 50 miler. Yes. Uh, it was a little, uh, North Face is a little bit easier. It's not like, as, it's not as difficult as Kettle. I mean, as Ice Age, mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of prairie, a little bit easier. Same, still the same tribes, same feeling, mm-hmm. but it was fun. And I, I met a lot of great people that year. Yeah, and I would say you probably met a lot of great people training then because you were probably out on the trails more, hanging yeah, out with the I trail was runners. a lot more. That's awesome. Who, like, did you find a specific crew at all or were you kind of just meeting out with whoever was out there? Whoever was out there at the time. That's great. I didn't, because I, I didn't meet a lot. I didn't, I don't have a lot of, I didn't have a lot of friends. I kind of hung to myself. Yeah. But because um, I like, I kind of liked being by myself back then, just so I could do my own things after the, after the runs. Yeah, after the runs. And what does that mean? 
Well, I'd hang out and do a training run, and then I'd stop and buy some beer and drink some beer. So running wasn't the only thing you were you were kind of committed to at the time. No, I was I was running from myself. I I think that's why I got into running, for, from fear. I yeah. was running from life. So at the time, you though what we just talked about is like man. Like George just went from like not running to like being an ultra runner. Like that's, that's, that's crazy. Most people, right. I've been running for five years and like marathon distance is still pretty aggressive for me. Right. And so it's cool to see you do that in a year, but you say you were, you were running from yourself. I was, I had a lot of baggage. I was hiding a lot of, um, anger. And, and I mean, uh, my oldest daughter had passed away in 92 and I didn't really recover from it. I just carried that baggage with me, not knowing why, what was the reason everything happened. So, you, and you, so you really didn't have an outlet for most of this stuff. You were no. just carrying it close to your heart. Carry it close to my heart and drank. I drank a lot. I mean, I didn't think, I thought it was normal, normal behavior. Yeah. So. Well, especially when you're uh, drinking more socially or with yourself with myself and that you know then you're keeping more things to you, close to you right yes everything. so running sounds like it was the first thing that really allowed you to you know escape this or, or how would you explain that um let to say that i could have another drink yeah and it, usually another drink met a 12 pack or a case depending on what it was so you were really starting to drink then so are you doing i was this? drinking more if you're if you're out on the trail, I assume this is where you're running for the most part. At this I was running on on weekends, yeah. Yeah. I, I we'd be typically done by nine o'clock, and then I would just everyone would we say goodbye. I'd say goodbye, and we'd all leave. I'd typically go to the the closest place that I could go to after the after um, Lagrange out in Lagrange. Mm -hmm. Stop, get a protein ball, eat a protein ball, and start whatever had the highest amount of alcohol at nine o'clock, nine, nine thirty in the morning. And during three of those drive home, pick up a 12 pack, drop it in my basement, put it up in the ceiling and drink that and do what I needed to do. And then when my wife got home from work, I'd go out for a couple hours for an hour. She didn't know. I was, I mean, you were high. It sounds like I was hiding it. Well, was hiding I was it. hiding it. I was a, I was a professional drinker. And yeah. that's that's scary. It was. It. If I look back, yeah, it was very scary because, and then I would get up the next morning, and do another twenty miles, because it was back to back long runs. Now that's crazy. I mean, how is your body functioning? I mean, not only are you punishing yourself. I mean, you're punishing yourself all day. Yeah. I mean, you are ru running 20 miles is not easy to do. And sleep deprived on top of going yeah. out and running the next morning. So were you, and while you were doing this, you're still training because you did some other races this year as well. Or yeah. in the subsequent years following. Right. Like um, you tempted, do you do T-Bunk or tempted it? I tempted it, um, but I, I made it 51 miles, I think roughly. And then you did... Potawatomi 100. Then I, then I, um, then I did Potawatomi. We went, did the Potawatomi 100. Yep. How, so that was your first hundred miles. That was my first hundred. And it was, you know, it was easy, 
but hard. Okay. Because the the I wanted a beer, but I couldn't have a beer. So that was my finish the race. I could have a beer, so but that's were, a dry at the dry um, park. Yeah, I mean, and you wanted a beer because I mean you're running for thirty one hours. Yeah. So you're without a beer for thirty one hours. At this point, that's what's harder that or running for thirty one hours. The beer. That's crazy. Yeah. And I thought it was normal. That's the funny thing. I thought it was just normal behavior. It's not. After I realized what I what I did and what I started putting my body through. Yeah, and how is so how is this all kind of like built building up for you inside and externally? I mean like how did you keep that up? Battled with I I lied to I lied to I lied to my family. Yeah. I lied to my family. I really had no friends. I never drank at work, but work was work was where I was professional. But as soon as five o'clock, whenever I got done working, mm-hmm. I'd go hit the bar for yeah. an hour, slam as much as I could, then go home, and then then get up the next morning and train and go back to work and just that's like a vicious. That's it was a, a cycle. Cycle. I mean, back then I was probably doing over two thousand miles a year. A year. Yeah. Normal, Which is, normally it's twenty percent of your first. <laughs> Those really really don't add up. No, not for me. So, I it's that's crazy to wrap most people for wrap their head around because there's a lot going on in your life right there. Not only like mentally but physically, um, that's just crazy. So how did that keep playing out? Did you just keep battling this? I just kept on. I battled kept it. Going. It was constant all t- till. Um, up to four years ago, I battled it to what year? 2015. So 16. Two or three years of this? Yeah. Constant. It was, I mean, to the point where it was, you need to, you need to uh, move out of the house. Yeah. It's for the safety you can't do this at home. Yeah. So, I mean, at one point for you're doing this this long, especially, you know, you have some running friends in your family, people probably started to notice. No, no. Um, they did, but it was my running friends didn't know. Cause they only saw you running and no one at work knew because it was, I was, as soon as I put on my chef jacket, it was like being Superman. Yeah. And as soon as I got out, started running, I kind of felt normal, but I couldn't keep the lies. And the secrets in my head, what I was doing after work. Well, no, I, I'm still working, but no, I really was at a bar. But then I get up the next morning and say, get up at four o'clock in the morning, and do my, my training run. So it was like I was constantly in a line trying to hide that I was drinking because I hit it so well. Yeah. Was you said when you put on your shirt, you felt like Superman, your work clothes. Was that like, was that? did that help you knowing that you had this place of professionalism it did kind of... but but it also helped my ego it, uh, it boosted my ego i was i i was it was my ego i knew everything about everything i was super confident yeah so you're like i'm hiding these things mm-hmm. i'm doing all of what i want i'm working i'm drinking i'm running i was making good money you're yeah no one knows. So you, you're, you're living two lives. And um, from what I've learned from my talking doctor, 
that was that was Anthony because my middle name's Anthony. Go, I was I'm George Anthony. So then I'd be at work called I'd be chef at work. So, okay. So you're right. uh, multiple identities. When you become an executive chef for a mm-hmm. for a big property or a big establishment, that's you lose who you are outside of work. You, yeah. So putting the alcohol aside for a second, so being that you're the executive chef at the Hyatt, I mean, that's a pretty prestigious role. Yeah, because I was also the executive chef and the director of food and beverage. Oh, so you were like double duties there. I was double duties, so it was a, it was a great experience. Great, I had great employees, managers, mm-hmm. and that's they're the ones that made me successful. So with that, I not only do you have you know managerial roles and responsibilities, but I assume a lot of creativity and direction come with that. A lot of creativity because you always have the same groups coming back, and so you're always having to expand your knowledge and what you need to what you need to learn every year, staying current with everything. Yeah. In life. And so you, from my understanding, are self-taught. Yeah. You, you didn't go to school. For... I went to school for two years, but it was back when I started cooking. Mm-hmm. Cooking was something that you needed to do to have a job. With a job, it wasn't celebrity chefs what it is today. Yeah, you didn't really have another outlet in life. I didn't wasn't good in school. I didn't think I'd be successful. I just needed a job, so I picked so got, cooking. So you started cooking. Started cooking and just had great chefs. I had a great mentor when I started with Hyatt in '97. So you 87. were at Hyatt. You started at Hyatt? I started at Hyatt in 87 and just worked my way up to executive chef and director of food and beverage and executive chef here. Because I've worked in Minneapolis, Chicago, Buffalo, New York, and then here. Then I was on different um, committees where I would have to go to help do grand openings for hotels. And when I was running, I'd go out, I'd drink. They'd usually have a bottle of oh. scotch or something waiting for me in my room because I was on task force. You were, I mean, opening up a hotel. You got, you got whatever you, you were. Yeah, you're on top of the world. How? What were some of the cool experiences you had while working there? I mean, you said you get to travel and open up some hotels, but I'm, I'm assuming some cool people have come through, or you've got to do some cool things there. I met Elton John. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, John, uh, uh, Jack Nicholson. Okay. Like they, they came in and dined. They came in and, and dined. You, I actually you, got to walk up to Jack Nicholson's table and because he asked, he wanted his waffle more well done oh. instead of just normal. He wanted it more well done. So he, did he give you the directions how to do that? Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> so I just did what he said. I mean, that's I pretty cool. Cooked for a few presidents. I had um, when I was in Buffalo, Secret Service was in front of me and had his had his gun. I mean, while we're, you were cooking? While I was cooking. I was yeah. just making a BLT for uh, Bush Jr., President <laughs> Bush. <laughs> you got to make sure you're not putting anything in that BLT, huh? He, he, I was, he was there. He walked into the cooler with me in and out. That's crazy. I mean, that makes sense if you think about it. But Yeah. That's a wild experience. I've, it was truly amazing. I saw Dick Cheney when they were there, they were there for... Um, Going through the Patriot when they were working on the Patriot Act, yeah, they were doing some stuff in Buffalo. Okay, um, General Colin Powell was probably the coolest. Okay, how Be- what was that story? Uh, he was there for a red wagon, um, dinner, and all of a sudden, he was we didn't know he was coming in. Then all of a sudden, the Blackhawks 
land on the top of the roof and he gets out and comes in then you start to see you could start seeing snipers up on the on the, on the over over on other buildings because they were watching us we're outside no way yeah that's pretty cool it was really cool you had some awesome experiences with that then how was like uh talking food for a second trying to be a foodie here how is it you know like you said, you have to be ever-changing, especially year over year, even with trends and, and different different food. Is it a lot of kind of being top of culture and know, knowing what's going on and kind of what's going on like within the cities you're in? You have to know what's going on in the city, the regional areas, because mm-hmm. things are going to change throughout the regions. Yeah. Um, Buffalo was slower than Minneapolis. Milwaukee's a little bit slower than Chicago. So you want to try to bring trends with you. Yeah. And after a while, you start getting burnt out. I, and I did. And that's pretty much why I left the hotel. Oh, I bet. Especially, I mean, you were there a long time. Yeah. I, was, I know you had multiple you know, different jobs there, but still like a long grind at one place. How did running help you at all with that, with your creativity when you're out? I mean, you were out running, you're trail running for hours and hours. And it hours. did. But then I would lose everything that I that I had thought of as soon as I started drinking. Cause I would black, I would black out at the end of the night and I, everything kind of, yeah, I, there's still certain, I'm starting to start getting my memory back glimpses of it from my past, which is kind of crazy to think. Like right now you are, you're saying, or like at, when you would wake up from the day before? Um, right now, like I'm for example, I forgot that I did something with my, with my first daughter. Mm-hmm. That was probably 20 years ago. And just, I was riding on my bike and all of a sudden, boom. Nothing like having tears come out of your eyes when you, because you forgot. Because I, I drank, I, I drank for almost 38 years. Yeah. And that's wild that it comes back to you like that, that long ago from not remembering it. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, that's a cool It's It's cool to remember. Have that, but not, obviously not ideal. No, it's not. It's not normal. No. Well, we did think at the time it was. So, so at this point, you're you're working at the Hyatt, and you're you're running, and you're drinking a ton, and you're hiding all of this from people. Everyone. When did it like start coming out, or how did you get to the point? Because you, I mean, it was. It was probably the summer of sixteen, if I remember correctly. Okay. And. Um, it was, you need to clean up. Was this you having a conversation with yourself? No, it was my wife having a conversation with me. Mm-hmm. And she was the stronger individual that said, noticed it. I wasn't, I thought there was nothing wrong with me. Yeah. She said, you need to do something. And I said, no, I'm normal. It's what normal people do. I'm, I'm, you've been doing it for, and functioning for years. I was a fun, yeah, I was very functioning. But I was, I was, but I, I was killing myself and hurting others. Yeah. You, you weren't seeing it through the lens of what other people were seeing. Right. It was, you were doing what you were doing and it, it was fine. You're, yeah. Cause right. I'd been doing it f- for so long. Yeah. And, um, I re- after that, it took me about a week to realize she was more important and my daughters were more important than any, anything that I could do. Cause I was down, I was, I was, I was, I was at bottom. 
I by mean, that it, point. It, it had to be catching up with you. It it was. It was. And that has to be, that's a lot emotionally. Yeah, it was. Physically? It's crazy. Mentally. I can't even imagine. It was, it was a struggle. Yeah, for that long. And she said, enough is enough. And I said, okay. So at that moment, you said it took like a week. Was that like, did you go kind of spiral out a little bit more and drink way more? Or did you kind of take a step back and have some realizations? I, t- I took a step back. And I still drank, but I took a step back and realized, you know what? I called my, I called a good friend of mine mm-hmm. and we met up before and didn't decided not to do a race. And I told him I needed help. And he took me to a, a Milwaukee meeting, a 12 step meeting. You guys decided not to do the race not to, to do go the to race. the meeting? Yep. I said, I'm, I started crying. I said, I'm done. I can't, I can't, I can't keep functioning. I can't keep on hurting the people I love. Yeah. That's a, that's a big moment. It's a powerful moment, especially, I mean, your, your wife and family helped you visualize that, but yeah, I mean, your running friend. Yeah. If it it wasn't for him being here, he, he came up from Rockford and helped me. That's so cool. Yeah. So that kind of kicked it off, huh? It kicked it off. And, um, it was over four years now. Yeah. So how, what is that like? You, you know, you, you go with your buddy and you meet people that are similar, that are similar to you that Mm -hmm. are in the same place as you are, or were in the same place that you are the day you, you admit that you have a problem Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it was comforting it was, I wasn't a very spiritual person yeah. when I started my journey in life. Mm-hmm. But when I walked through the doors, I felt an equal and I could be honest. And an individual like myself that wasn't honest those all those years of drinking, yeah, it was nice to come start coming clean. I, that has to be a lot off your chest. It was, it was started to become the weight the weight of the world was being lifted off my shoulders and chest. And while you're doing this, um, I mean, is this like a, I'm done drinking this stuff? I was done October, October 26th, October 27th, October 27th, October 27th. I always said I'm done and, um, haven't looked back. It's, it's crazy when things just kind of click like that. Cause I mean, that's a very big thing to, to shake off, but you know, when people have goals or I'm going to do something like I'm going to run this race and they're like, I'm going to start training after like kind of being lazy for amount of time. It's, it's a powerful thing. And when it happens with something this big in your life, that's, that has to feel really good. You know what it did? And I didn't, I accepted it. Yeah. Cause we, everything is 24 hours. I do everything in 24 hours. Tomorrow's a, if I have a bad day today, Mm-hmm. I have a new day tomorrow. Tomorrow's a new day. And every day is a new day. And right. if I don't look at it that way, I could go south easily. So. Yeah. I love that. One day at a time. Tomorrow's a different day. It is. So how is running with all this? Did you, did you stop running? Did I didn't you continue not. to running. Did everything, I like, did everything come to a halt when you were, when you kind of decided to come no, sober? I, like, do you have to focus on that? I did not. I kept on running 
and um, I kept, it was fun. I, I didn't know how to eat. I didn't know how to do any of this stuff because I was always consuming so many calories or there I, I'd be drinking and then I'd eat bad food. Yeah. Cause just, I was drinking, drink a ton. And then just, so I didn't know how to, food. I didn't know how to eat. Yeah. Did you have like a different outlook on running? Cause um, like you remember we, you started running and you hated it and then you started finding the I trails, start, but it's, a, this is like a different, was running different to you now? It was clear. I had a, I had goals that I wanted wanted to do now instead of being drunk. Yeah. Before or after a race, it was wow. This is this is weird. Waking up and going going for a training run in the morning. So, so you had I, just a different outlook. Just a different outlook on life. It still was painful if I pushed too hard, but I knew my pain threshold. Yeah. That was the weird thing. I knew what, I, what my pain threshold was. Before it was, I was so numb, probably, or pickled. Pickled. <laughs> well, yeah, your mind was focused on that end game of yeah. drinking. It didn't matter. Just and now like, that, so did you replace it? Like, it's kind of like, I see it like long run triggers equals drinking, running equals drinking. And it did. Even though you were always drinking. But it kind of like, right, you're getting through these runs. You ran 31 hours at Potawatomi yeah. to get those beers. Not well. What did you replace that with? Um, family. My family started going to races with me. Okay. That's Which awesome. was amazing. And um, if my family doesn't go with me for a race, I can pick up the phone and call a friend and say, hey, I need to talk to you. Because like the bigger races have a mm -hmm. party atmosphere. Yeah. And when I, when I was coming, when I was new, newer in sobriety, the party atmosphere really affected it was, were triggers. Yeah, it had to be tough. I remember sitting at a, at the end of a race because I had DNF'd. I was a slamming chocolate milk left and right. <laughs> and, I, and I got my phone. I called my friend and I said, hey, can we talk? I need to talk. And yeah. we talked about the race. And they said, hey, just go over and do, do your thing. Go to your car, get cleaned up. And I came back and I waited for my friend to finish the race because he finished. Well, that's what race was that? That was the rut in Montana. Okay, good for your friend. That is crazy because so much of running is like a party atmosphere afterwards, especially in Milwaukee. It's multiple groups, multiple races. It's like let's run to drink. Yeah, it's you know what you're running away from now. Yeah, but I, now I'm running to go see my family or go see yeah. a friend or call my wife. And that had to be pretty tough afterwards. Like you're at a race, you DNF. You're probably not in a good spot because of that, right? And you're at a party-like atmosphere with all these triggers. But you had the willpower to just have chocolate milk and wait for your friend. Yeah. I mean, that is, that's the new George. That was huge. Yeah. And it was, that was my gift to myself before I turned 50, <laughs> doing was, the rut. Was it DNFing? Yes. <laughs> that wasn't the goal though, huh? But I made it up, to, it was, the goal was to get over my fear of heights. And oh, was getting it? up to the big, climbing big sky. Yeah. Was the biggest, was my accomplishment. So did you, did you make it to the top? I made it to the top. So what is that, down. what is that race like for people who don't know? It is one of the toughest 50 Ks. It's in the top three, 50 hardest 50 Ks in the world. We'll say the toughest because okay, that toughest. sounds way cooler on the podcast. <laughs> and on top of it, I didn't know, I still didn't know how to eat. So I was constantly injured. And I had to get a nutritionist to help me start learning how to eat. 
properly. Crazy. I remember going into my friend Nicole, Nicole, who I see, Mm -hmm. going in her office. I told her how much I was eating. She just looked at me and started laughing at me. Like you're not eating enough calories for what you're doing, (laughs) because I was constantly injured. Yeah, I wasn't repairing myself. Oh, that's who would have thought that that would be like a downside to this, like trying to figure out your nutrition. Yeah. But you know what? It worked out. I was able to do 21 miles of the 50K. Yeah, you, so you, you made it to the... Made it all the way to the top and all the way down. And without getting a, having a helicopter pick me up because I didn't fall off the side of the mountain. Well, that's, an, that's always the goal. It's not to fall off the side of the mountain. What else, uh, so what else did you start doing after you know, sobriety? And Did you keep up with racing? Did you I do kept more? Up, or I was kept it up racing. Um, keep up the mileage too? No, after the rut, I kind of tamed down. Okay. And then my friend... Casey called me after I learned not to, I can't eat Asian food before a race, a marathon. Yeah. Doesn't do good on the stomach. No, especially when you, no, not at all. But um, she called me. She, uh, she was a pacer for the five hour group for Lakefront. And she said, what could you pace for pace with me in the five hour group? I said, sure. Oh, you're going back to roads now? Uh, we're going back to roads after not running roads Man, probably for a what long What friends, peer pressure from friends, huh? That's what we do. We help <laughs> we help each other out. Oh yes. All right. So you did you say the five hour group? Five hour group. Nice. So I didn't I think I was only putting fifteen, twenty miles in after the rut, if that. But I knew I could do it. I mean, what's if you put your mind to it, you can do anything. Well, what, yeah, what's a five hour pacing lakefront after what you've done? Right. It's easy. You still got to put put it on your <laughs> yeah. You still hard on your put, yep. You still got to get the miles under your feet for it. So your joints aren't used to running road really. Mm-hmm. But we did it. We were I think a couple seconds off the five hour mark, and the group was happy nice. that they that they finished. That's what it's all about. It's helping others. So. Okay, so now this is like uh, what you're. We're getting closer to the present now. We are getting really close. Was uh, that like 2018? Ah, uh, yes, it was. Um, 19 was. I didn't. I don't. I was supposed to do a ra- couple races. Didn't race. I was injured. I I ran with Casey and I went up and ran a couple two days with Annie. And then we were supposed to do the lakefront pace again. Wait, two days with Annie on her Ice Age yes. trail? Did yeah. you did you get those in? We did. What segment did you get her in? So everyone, and we were talking about Annie, who was on our show two episodes ago, who Annie ran uh, the entire Ice Age tra- trail, which is 1,200 miles across the state of Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, it's probably not the most efficient way to get across the state of Wisconsin, but <laughs> if you follow the Ice Age trail, it's the only option. <laughs> And she did it. Yeah, she did it in 21 days and like 18 hours. That's like 57 miles a day. That's amazing. She's awesome. Andy's great. So what uh, what segment did you do with her? Or what uh, did you, days? It was, uh, I think it was day three and four, if I remember correctly. Cool. So early on. So Real early way on. up north. We smelt the bears. Yeah. That's crazy. Did my Wakanda. Wakanda. We were in, I just said, we were in Wakanda. You got to try to stay... Mentally focused when you don't know where you're running. Yeah, how was it? It was aw- It was amazing. I got to. I think that was when I first met Brian. Oh, really? Husband. I'd heard him 
through runs. I didn't really know him yet. So Brian, everyone, is Annie's husband who helped crew uh, Annie's entire run. But Brian will come back into our story in, in a little while. Right. <laughs> so you met Brian and, yeah, helped Annie on her journey, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, so we haven't brought this up yet, but we'll go back in time for a second. So when you were at Hyatt, this is where you met your wife. I, I, Karen. I, I met Karen in Minneapolis, the Hyatt Whitney. Okay. And, and she, yes, yeah, so you met she, her. She was a, she was, uh, she started out as an intern. Then she got, she moved up to pastry chef and, um, then she moved to Orlando and I kind of got her back to move back to Minneapolis. And, um, we've been together ever since. And then you guys stay together and we are back together. in Milwaukee. We're back in Milwaukee. And then really cool. When did you guys open up? Your new place. Karen's, so new Karen started Sugar and Flour in 09. Uh, we, then she moved into the current location where we're at in 11, 2011, if I remember correctly. And then um, we blew, then she called me one day while I was at work and said, Hey, would, would you like to, should we, should we get a cafe? The, the tenants next to us moved out. So we went and found a, someone to help us expand and we moved opened up the cafe a little over two years ago and now you have sugar and flour bakery cafe and cafe that's awesome so quick plug you guys have to go check that out um what's the exact location of uh right on right uh downtown greendale on broad street right next to the post office best best yeah come on don't be honest say it it's uh what Five seven two one Broad Street. Oh well, how? But you were you were about to say it's the best. It is one of the best. It's it's we made the lo- we made it the menu to represent what we would want to eat when we go out to eat. Fresh, good food, just like just like mimosas. Yeah, <laughs> shout out to Mimosa, sponsor of the show. Go check out both places. But yeah, yeah, that's what we wanted. And yeah, and that's awesome. So you have it. So you left. You then you left the Hyatt to. I, I I did gypsy work. I did. I worked around, but didn't. I mean, I was. Did you say most, gypsy work? Yeah, I was. I did I like other stuff. <laughs> I was like a. I was a lost soul. Yeah. When I left Hyatt, for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. But I came back. Did you leave Hyatt after? Um, you started getting sober. No, I was still a. I was still a rock star. So you were still there? I was still there. Okay, yeah. nice. Um, yeah, so now back to what we were just talking about. You guys um, helped Annie. You guys gave her a bunch of food for her run, right? We did. We helped. She came up with what she would like, but then we started implementing more heartier foods. I would keep in contact with, that's why I started meeting Brian, what they needed for their long runs, what's what they needed for the next couple of days. And we just kept on giving Annie what she needed. So with trips up there, whoever so you was, guys would make trips up and give her the food, whoever was, was going up there next, we would try to give them food coolers oh, that's to go cool. up. So they could run yeah. with her and give her the food. Right. Yeah. She had a lot of good things to say about your food. She also ate a lot of food. When she you had a lot of food. You eat a lot of fun stuff. Like she's like at the end, she was like, I was good. You know, I was eating 
McDonald's, get Culver's. I'm like, oh, maybe I should start ultra running. <laughs> you should. You'll enjoy it. Yeah, I should. So um, that's awesome. So you guys started that. You kind of gypsied around, still running. And then you were saying you ran that. Now we're going back. You, or it kind of turns you, you paced again. Paced Annie you, again. And then um, you pace, try to go pace late front. I did pace, yes, try to do the five hour group, five hour again. And then at about mile 18, my right leg stopped firing. Like it just wasn't. It just wouldn't, it just would like dead meat. It was just wouldn't go. So I gave my watch to Casey and she took the watch and I DNF, DNF that because I just, we didn't know at the time. So then not seeing a doctor yet. A couple of days later, we went and ran scup and Annie, our Casey said, you're limping. And we was, I said, yeah, it hurts. It was burning. So yeah, I, it was burning. It was burning. So I went and saw a doctor, an orthopedic. They said, they took x-rays and they said, looks, you're bone on bone and, um, we can give you shots. I said, I don't want to do shots because that's just going to numb the pain. And I'm still going to, I would run through it with my personality. You were running through it without the shots. Yeah, I was. For a minute there. (laughs) But um, it was, I I had, and I got into Orcas Island up in Seattle, north of Seattle. Okay. And I ended up giving my, giving my um, bib away. And you're basically told you're done running. I was done running. I could run. I mean, I tried the run walk thing, but it just the run walk thing. <laughs> it's just not. It, I didn't enjoy it. Um, but and I still had pain. Yeah. What was that from? The years of running, or like high school yeah, wrestling, just or something? Years like of run. Just years of running, not running properly. Um, too many miles too quick probably Mm -hmm. um just abuse cooking i mean i was always on my feet on your feet all the time so um i hit i almost hit rock but i did hit i was depressed i hated life um but you know every morning i get up but still get up every morning i do my prayer meditation for a half hour every day i've been doing it for almost three and a half years that's awesome and just it helps me get through the day and it helped friends and family around me put up with me being a turd (laughs) until I found what I was going to do next. How long was that? Um, probably April. I walked into wheel and sprocket in Hales Corners. So that was like five, six months. Yeah. Yeah. I was miserable. How was that? So you, you know, running, taken from you in a way i was hurt i mean was there a lot of triggers going back to the old george no there was no triggers i was just upset because i thought running is who george was it was what george was then i was and yeah but then working the program that i work Mm -hmm. i'm learning that it's about what you do to help others succeed mm-hmm. in life is what makes who George is. It, running or cycling now isn't who George is. It's who, how you can make your kids better, how I make my kids better, and how I can help different p- 
people and help the community, different communities. That's an awesome outlook. So that's how I get through the day. That's an awesome, that's an awesome outlook for anyone to take away. Take kind of takes it off of you, puts it on what you can do. What I can do to help others. Yeah, that's great. So we, wheel and sprocket changing yeah. it up we're becoming a cyclist it sounds like i don't like road okay did you know that right away yeah did you i like... did i did you're I just knew... not a road guy this is not a road guy so i walked in wheel and sprocket and met colin the gm there and he um which wheel and sprocket the one the old one in hales corners okay. which is now in franklin okay yep so he i told him what i like to do he pointed me in the direction of the warbird. A warbird? What is salsa, that? It's a salsa warbird. It's all carbon black Oof. gravel. Sounds fancy. Oh, you know, it's exactly what I needed. Because gravel riders are just like ultra runners. Very happy-go-lucky, tribal, and like a family. Yeah, so you're finding your tribe in, yes. the, in the cycling biking biz now and it's just as and it's hard because sometimes if it's muddy you got to walk you got to hike your bike to where where you can ride again yeah so you you've been biking ever since so what what is gravel biking exactly i don't know i'm not really sure what it is uh, big, bigger it. tires uh, a little bit longer frames so um, like a more advanced mountain bike more or less but with down bars okay I'm nice. still with down bars. So um, where do you go riding for that? Are there like few places that you can kind of get that? Nothing really here. Okay. I'm. I could go out towards Madison, mm-hmm. and get it a little bit better. But I I did a ride in Illinois, and that was scary. <laughs> Pe- going down thir- doing twenty miles an hour down a gravel road. <laughs> wow. Trying to find your line. So when you say gravel, like trail, gravel trails, or is it like it's, a mix, so like kind of ultra where you kind of hit? It's, up? it's big gravel, small gravel. It's old. It's farm roads, farm road gravel. Got it. So it's decent size. If you and you have potholes, and if you had a pothole, you'll just flip over. So how do you train for? How do you get out and do that? Or just, do you not a lot. I'm still learning. Okay. I, I've got a race in. In March, in eight weeks, this, sat- this Saturday, and gonna see what's gonna happen. And and that which which race is that? It's the uh, the Mid South. It used nice. to be called Land Run Hundred. Now it's the Mid South Hundred. So now you're back to hundreds, just in a different way. Yeah, I should probably. <laughs> yep. I like that. And we we were talking about your training um, as well before the show. I mean, you are back in it. I on am the bike back. just as hard as you were running. Yes, I'm. B- my normal week of training is about 220 miles a week. I mean, what? So, how many miles did you put on in 2018 or 19 last year? Uh, 3,000, a little over 3,000. Nice. Starting in April. Yeah. Starting in April? I started in April. I'm That's a lot of miles on the bike. Yeah, it is. So, that's super cool. So, you, you found a new outlet. I did. And I'm listening to my coach. Key. Which is, I mean, I had, I've always, I've had to have a coach, even when I ran later in, later, later in my career, when I was running, because mm-hmm. I needed that structure, someone to tell me what I needed to do. Yeah. When it's an off day, I plan around when my off day is now. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I didn't really do that. I think with time, with age and wisdom, I'm learning this. Yeah. I feel like that happens to a lot of people. <laughs> so what, um, how has been like training and riding on the bike? Has it been like a good supplement for like you running? I must, I still assume you're doing long rides, intervals, I, same I, concepts just on a bike. It is. And I've, if I feel biking is harder when you crash, when I, when I crash on a bike, it's like my legs just shut down. Oh yeah. It's a little different. It is. I mean, I had to, I asked my wife, I asked Karen to make me a peanut butter sandwich the other day. I ended up doing a hundred K on Zwift. Okay. On new year's day. I was only going to do a three hour ride, but then it turned into a, almost a five hour ride. Nice. I just did it. Why not? I'm on the saddle. <laughs> yeah, you're already, you mean you're already like two thirds of the way there? Might as well keep pushing it. Why not? Good way to start normal the new people, year. That's what normal people do. That's what normal people do. <laughs> normal people do that. I like that. It's a good way to bring that full circle. So that's incredible. So your race in March, our friend Brian, we were just talking about, he, is going to be crewing you. He's crewing him. Yes. It'll be his first bike race crewing. So for your first race, his first crew, it should be a lot of fun then, huh? It's going to be awesome. When's the last time, is the last time you've done any sort of race lakefront when you dropped out? Yep, that was the last race. Nice. So it's been a few years for any racing. Are you excited? I'm nervous. Yeah, I bet. Because it's all told, it's, everything's different. Yeah. Do you know um, anyone from like the area that's going? There, um, I think there's a group. Of five guys, I've I've met just. Mm-hmm. I posted a picture of me on my fat bike a couple of weeks ago. Nice. And he said, "Hey, are you doing land run?" Because I posted I'm doing. So. Oh, got it. That's cool. So we'll meet some guys, a couple guys. Oh man, taking that fat bike out now is going to be great with all the snow we have. Yeah, it'll it be, be nice. A good time. But yeah, it, it it'll be a good time. Brian, I'll have a good time. Man, this is George. This has been. This has been an awesome story, and thank you for sharing it with us. Um, you know, if there's fellow runners out there or someone that maybe is in your shoes, is there anything you'd like to, to tell them, not knowing what you know now? Um, listen to your body. Listen to... Listen, just listen to yourself. Don't listen to the... Calm down and... I. If I had to do it again, I would have listened to myself. And um, I probably would have got clean earlier in life instead of letting all the outside informa- outside noise get to me. And because I was running away from fear. So. I love it. All right, so before I let you go, we're going to end with our Cream City Pacers rapid fire questions. All right. Are you ready for this? I'll try. So you have to get back in your running shoes because these are all running okay. related. So put the running mind back in. What, let's think, because it's what shoes are you running in now? What shoes did you run in or what do you recommend? What do you like? Ultra. Nice. Escalante, I think you was running in, mm-hmm. or, or and Lone Peaks. Okay, I had both pair. Nice. Okay, I like it. What was your favorite route to run in Milwaukee? Whitnell, Whitnell, just running the loops up the Botanical Garden and back home. Mm. Right. It's a good place to run. It I don't is. run there enough. 
I don't get down to that part of Milwaukee enough. Um, if you could bring one person to Milwaukee to run with you, who would it be? Good question. I guess Jim Walmsley. It's the only one that comes to my mind. Okay, I like it. I like it. Um, your favorite Milwaukee race? Lakefront. Nice. Your last race. Your first marathon yeah. and your last it w- yeah, marathon. Yeah, I did. That's cool. I like that. I, like I that. never put two and two together till now. <laughs> what was your favorite running accessory? My Solomon uh, vest. Nice. Is that like a water vest? It Yeah. It was just my vest. Yeah. Bottle, what bottles fed up, fed up front. Cool. Cool. What's your favorite biking accessory now? The wrenches. My wrenches. <laughs> what is that? It's just wrenches to keep everything oh, tight. Oh, your wrenches. Yeah. yeah. Those are probably key with all that. Yeah. You have a lot more equipment now that you're a biker over running. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, your favorite pre-race pump-up song? Dio Diver Down. I think something like it's it's something heavy metal. I can't remember. Okay, okay. I don't know. I can't think of that one offhand, but a little heavy metal is good. Holy to Diver, go. yeah. That'll get you. All right, we'll it link does. to it so we can have it then. And so your upcoming goals, I would assume, is the race we were just talking about. Um, you have anything else? Um, trying to. We're gonna try. Uh, I'm gonna. My friend Casey and I are going to try to get into the Horrible Hilly 100K. And uh, Cheesehead uh, cheese Robe okay. in March. And then um, I have already signed up for Steamboat 100K in Steamboat, Colorado in August. <laughs> Not, nice. And these are all, are those just all like gravel gravel races except for the horrible hilly what is that that is madison area verona area if i remember correctly uh fifty thousand feet of elevation climb if i I remember correctly you use your gravel bike or do you just use like a mountain bike or i'll use i'll use a gravel bike and probably put road i'll get take it back into willis rocket and have them put road tires on it for me nice (laughs) wow you got a lot going on then this year yeah, I took a year off. This is going to be good. Are you excited? I'm excited, a little nervous, but it'll be fun. Okay, so what is one piece of advice you want to give someone who's looking to make 2020 a good year? Help others. Help others so they can achieve their goals, and that will come back to you. I like it. Simple, and I can take that and implement it into my daily life starting tomorrow. Yeah. Because it always comes back. You help someone on the street, give advice to someone, it comes back to you somehow. It always does, especially in the running world. Yes. Awesome. George, thank you. Thank you. This was great. I appreciate it. Um, Where can we find out more about Sugar and Flour? Um, Facebook, Sugar and Flour has a a, uh, Facebook page. And we started one on Instagram. Ooh, Instagram. My wife usually does that. She usually makes, she'll show how she's making the bread. Oh, cool. Some behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. She she may think she did one on croissants a couple weeks ago. We started making croissants a couple months ago. Nice. I'll have to come by and try one of those. All right. Well, everyone go check out Sugar and Flour on Instagram and Facebook and go check out their place in downtown Greendale. Till next time.